Monsoon from our comfort of our own homes. <laughs> I'm still at home. <laughs> so am I. Oh boy. Hey, Steph, how's it going? Hey, Andy, not bad, not bad. Just um, quarantined. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're both uh, we're both still okay though, right? Neither of us have contracted anything. Nope, not really. Not that we're aware of, at least. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't left the house other than to walk the dog, and I went to the supermarket once since uh, we last talked. So <laughs> I, I think I'm okay. I did the same thing, except it wasn't the dog. It was my husband. <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, speaking of this po- post-apocalyptic world we live in, uh, you had an idea for a conversation this week. Yeah, no, the idea kind of crossed my mind because it's like, I feel like in TV and cartoons and things like that, there's always an episode or an arc of a series where they're like, yeah, the flu comes to town or everyone turns into zombies or mind control stuff happens or post-apocalyptic thing happens. And it's like a one-off or an arc episode that we always seem to see that just has kind of no relevancy to the rest of the series, but it's just like, oh, well, this happened. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, okay. I've certainly seen some episodes like that of some shows. Oh, uh, you know what I've seen? What's that? Def M Records. Hey, that's a good call. Our good friends at Def M Records uh, did our theme music. We very much appreciate that. While you're all locked down and and under quarantine, uh, you should go to defmrecords.com and check out some of their music. Uh, I just found out, I didn't know this, but like a few years ago, the Saturn 3 did a cover of um, What Planet Is This from Cowboy Bebop. Oh, that's fantastic. And it's available for free because they didn't want to pay licensing fees. You can just go download it. You can give them money if you want. It's a pay what you want, but you can enter zero. There you go. Yeah, you should definitely go check out Def M Records because... uh, they have some great music, and a lot of it is is super cheap. And uh, with a lot of people losing their jobs, hey, man, free new music, that's something that you, every, we can all get behind, right? Aye, sir. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, also, speaking of music, while we're on the subject, um, Dana Jean Phoenix did release her first music video for her first single during the week. Um, I saw and so it just Yeah, so I just wanted to give her a shout-out um, for her collaboration with Power Nerd for her upcoming record that comes out at the end of this month. Mm-hmm. Um so I posted the video on our Facebook yesterday, and I posted it again on our Twitter today. Um, so you can check out our stuff at Atomic Monsoon, um, or you can go check out her stuff at Dana Jean Phoenix. There you go. Yeah. All right. Now enough so, about other people. Let's talk about us. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Landy, what do you got for uh, quarantined zombie plague stuff? Okay. So, because I'm a comic book fan, my mm-hmm. first thought went to comics, of course. That makes sense. Um, right. So, obviously, there's The Walking Dead, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I will I be the first one to admit, um, I read the first dozen or so issues of The Walking Dead comic, and I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. Okay. The end. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of done with it. Um, yeah. I know. And then after that, the show came out and, and, and became this huge cultural phenomenon, uh, which is great. And I am super happy for um, Robert Kirkman and for Image Comics for all the success of that. But eh, not my not my cup of tea. Makes sense. Uh, so I thought, well, what other what other zombie comic stuff is there? And I thought, oh, there was another Robert Kirkman project that came out around the same time as The Walking Dead, uh, and it was called Marvel Zombies. Oh. And so Marvel Zombie was a, a joking like in like like in joke term for fans of Marvel comics, the kids that grew up reading Marvel, they only read Marvel. They didn't read any of the distinguished competition as it were, (laughs) Um, you know, so the Marvel zombies were just the kids that just read Marvel books and, and, and they were slaves to Marvel. Um, But uh, in, um, uh, yeah, mid to late aughts, uh, like 2006 to 2008, I want to say, um, they did a series called Marvel Zombies, and it was five. The first series was five issues, and it was um, kind of the first crossover between the regular Marvel universe and the Ultimate Universe, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ultimate Universe had a zombie outbreak, and then a character um, 
poked his head into that dimension and saw the zombie apocalypse and cured it in that universe, but then went back to his home universe and brought the zombie plague with him. And so, so it isn't, it isn't the straight regular earth six, one, six Marvel universe. Um, there is another earth designation for it. I don't have that written down in front of me. Um, cause I didn't know how in detail I was going to go into this until I started talking about it. Uh, <laughs> but, um, basically the century brings the zombie plague to the Marvel universe and slowly everyone gets infected. Um, and it's, it's kind of an idealized Marvel universe. It's not like, it's, it's not Captain America. It's Colonel America because he's been, um, promoted several times okay right but otherwise you know it's it's basically the marvel universe that you know and love just with um the writer and artist's favorite versions of everyone's costumes rather than ones that were current they were currently wearing at the time of the series um and yeah so so people keep getting bitten and at one point spider-man eats mary jane and aunt may um um the silver surfer and galactus come down and there is this fight, and it's it's pretty much uh, Luke Cage, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Hulk, and Colonel America are the ones left. And um, in the fight, Wolverine tries to slash the Silver Surfer with his claws, but his skin is so uh, like torn up that the claws actually rip through Wolverine's arm rather than do any damage to the Silver Surfer. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then it ends with the Hulk biting Silver Surfer's head off mm-hmm. because comic books. And then yeah. the zombies eat Galactus and inherit his powers and start going through space to take over the universe with the power of Galactus and a zombie plague. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's where it ends. The zombies win and they go off into space to take over everything. Um, yeah. There were several more, there were several more Marvel Zombies series after that. Um, I only read a couple of them. Uh, the next one was Marvel Zombies 2, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that followed um, the survivors on Earth. So it was like the Black Panther and the Wasp's zombie head, but not the rest of her. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a handful of other characters. And it just sort of, what do you do? You know, okay, cool. All the zombies have, have eaten each other and have all rotted and degraded and um, that's the end of them. So how do you rebuild society with like seven people? And, yeah. Um, and there's still a couple zombies left and like Wasp's zombie head is still around, but is like she can't digest anything. So she's past the point of craving flesh and blood and is just trying to be helpful, but is still a zombie. Hmm. Uh, and it's, it's weird. Uh, hmm. And then the other, the other good one in that was, um, uh, Marvel Zombies versus Army of Darkness, which is a prequel, and it shows the beginning of the zombie outbreak. But Ash from Evil Dead and Army of Darkness is totally in uh, in that story. So it follows his adventures in the Marvel universe, um, trying to take out the super powered zombies and stuff. Hmm, so fair enough. Yeah, yeah, and I think they they did they did like Marvel Zombies volumes one through five, and then there's like three other series as well. Jeez. Um yeah, they they were doing like a like a five or six issue series every year for almost a decade. Wow. Um, yeah. So there's there's a lot of it. I personally I, I got like the first one through three and then the Army of Darkness one and then like a couple of the shots here and there. Uh, mm-hmm. I really only liked the first one. Like I think the first one was the best one. Mm-hmm. Um but uh yeah, I the others I mean if you if you like it, you know, try it. Um so yeah, they're yeah. fun, and, and I got uh, my hardcover signed by the cover artist Arthur Sudum at um, Phoenix Comic Con, like way back in uh, like 2008 or 2009, back when it was still in Mesa before it was Dang. when it was still in Cactus Con. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, yeah, cool. So Very cool. Here's my first pick for a, a, a <laughs> apocalyptic <laughs> zombie thing. What what uh what were you thinking? Well, so when I thought about this idea, for some reason, my mind went, it's partially mind control, partially zombies, because technically the person that's controlling everyone is a ghost. So it's like possession meets zombies meets mind control. Um, But I went to, there's an episode of the Nickelodeon show, Danny Phantom. Do you know the show? Uh, I've seen an episode or two. I'm not super familiar with it, but he's the, the little kid in the black and white outfit with the white hair, right? Yeah, D- yeah, Danny. The, the, okay. Yeah, he's a little, he's a fourteen year old kid who has parents who hunt ghosts, and one day he 
steps into their ghost portal machine and it gives him the powers of a ghost. So he can be human at one point, but still uses ghost powers like really whenever. And then he has this thing where okay. he goes ghost and he flies around and is like a superhero. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's an episode called under uh, called um, Urban Jungle. Okay. And the episode kind of like, it starts off with Danny, his friends, Sam and Tucker walking along on their way to school. And Danny is like wrapped up, bundled, like it's snowing outside. And it's probably like maybe 80 degrees <laughs> Okay. outside. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't know why he's shivering. He doesn't know why he's cold. Um, but they're walking along the school and then suddenly just up from under the ground pops this giant ghost like maybe a hundred feet tall that is connected to the ground and it's like this huge green like plant monster type ghost called undergrowth and undergrowth uh grabs danny's friend sam and possesses her mind because she takes care of plants because she's a vegetarian she's a vegan and is very much all about the plants so she you know he ends up controlling her and turning her into his like his daughter or queen or whatever. Mm. And and so Danny is like, I got to get out of here. And he, he he takes off back to the ghost zone while this while undergrowth controls the entire town. Like he takes over everybody in the mm. town and like just literally puts everything under vines and moss and just all of it. Um, and while Danny is in the ghost zone, he ends up learning that he has this power that uh, to freeze like other ghosts. So he has like a freezing power now. Okay. Um, and what's really funny is that I didn't realize this at the time when this episode premiered, but undergrowth is voiced by Mark Hamill. Wonderful. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I didn't realize it at the time because at the time I hadn't d- done my dive into star Wars just yet. Um, oh, sure. Right. Came out. Yeah. So I didn't know who Mark Hamill was. And Undergrowth was this huge character, and now when I go back and I've watched the episode, it's like, okay, Undergrowth is voiced by Mark Hamill. And then when Danny goes to learn how to use his freezing ability, he crashes on an icy sector of the ghost zone and is taken and put into a Bacta tank, just like Luke. And I'm like, <laughs> oh my god. Oh, that's how super did fun. I not realize that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if you haven't seen Empire Strikes Back, right? I mean, how, how would you recognize Hoth? Well, yeah, no, at first, I, I mean, obviously at the, at the beginning, I'm like, oh, this is a neat episode. I like this episode. And then I saw Empire Strikes Back, and then I was just like, oh, my God, this episode <laughs> just got better. <laughs> uh, that's fun. But, yeah, no, and he, he does come back, and he defeats Undergrowth and saves everyone. But when he comes back, it is literally, like, imagine, like, thousands and thousands of people all, like, churning, like, green and have, like, red eyes and are being controlled by a hundred foot tall plant ghost it's kind of horrifying yeah 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 so. man uh okay <laughs> oh geez um i might need to look that one up do you, what was the name of that episode do you remember urban jungle urban jungle okay okay and i know danny phantom streaming on netflix or hulu because i it pops up on since i watch a lot of cartoons it pops up as recommended for me all the time so um there it's it well it was uh i don't have either one open in front of me at the moment but um i know i think it might be hulu because hulu tends to have a lot of the nickelodeon shows well now i gotta go watch danny phantom (laughs) again (laughs) because it's such a great show uh yeah it is on hulu sweet i know what i'm doing later Mm. yeah right um what just happened i don't know I'm not there. <laughs> Music just started playing in my headset. Well, that's weird. That's really oh, weird. Okay. I don't know how, but iTunes opened while we were talking. Weird. Okay. <laughs> hey, Josh, we're going we're gonna to need to quit edit uh, at about 17 minutes in. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> you're good. You're good. So what else you got? Uh, so... Um, I'll, I got another comic book thing, but I'll come back to that later. Okay. Um, uh, the original Night of the Living Dead, which is often credited as the first zombie movie, I believe, um, 
the yeah yeah the old george a romero one i want to say um black and white i don't have the year off the top of my head but i want to say close to 1950 ish give or take a couple of years mm-hmm. um I, I'm <laughs> we as we've discussed many times in the show. I'm not the world's biggest horror fan. Um, makes sense, but I do appreciate a well-made movie, regardless of genre. Okay, uh, and and so um, Night of Living Dead is is one of those movies where you know uh, I was at a party and some people threw it on, and I just got really into it. Um, and I, I don't know. It's 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 the first zombie movie, right? So everything everything takes all of its cues from from that movie so mm-hmm. when you watch now you are kind of like you can kind of be like uh well this isn't very good or like oh i've seen this done better in other movies or like whatever but like this was the first one um and, mm-hmm. and it is i don't know maybe it's a little too on the nose for uh what we're going through t- these days where um it's a bunch of people trying to stay inside their house and everyone outside is sick and trying to infect everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh, I really didn't consider that when we started talking. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's its a good old classic horror movie. It's well paced. Um, it's, it's relatively short. I think it's under an hour and a half. I may be wrong about that. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, again, not the biggest horror movie person in the world Same. but um you know I, I i i have a collection of the old universal monster ones like the old you know bella lugosi dracula and and boris Kar- boris Kar- ugh, boris karloff frankenstein and stuff mm-hmm. and uh i don't own uh, night of the living dead but it would fit right in with those yeah and yeah yeah i think that you know if you're looking for something a little lighter um than some of the more recent ones have gotten uh i think i think that's a, a fair place to start Oh, all right. There you go. Yeah. So cool. Um. So my next one. Yeah. Kind of sticking with the. Zo- I'm gonna stick with kind of like the zombie theme here for a second before I move on to some of the other ones I got. Um. <laughs> so there is a there is a filler episode of the anime fairy tale. Okay. Which I have mentioned before is probably hands down my favorite anime. Um, yeah. There is an episode. It's later on in the series. Like I. I don't even know the exact number. It's somewhere in like the 200s uh, <laughs> in the number. Um, but the episode is called, uh, I can't remember if it's day or night, but it's uh, Day of the Living Men. <laughs> That's pretty good. And like the men is just like emphasized like big time. Um, yeah. But how how the episode goes is that there there's a wizard in the universe of this anime who is probably a rather short guy with extremely chiseled features and thinks he's the most handsome thing since I don't know what else like like Brad Pitt uh, Gaston Gaston yeah <laughs> something <laughs> like that yeah but he he thinks he's the most handsomest guy in like the entire land and the entire world reality he's not he's kind of just like a weird creep uh, <laughs> Because uh, he kind of like sni- like he he um, instead of saying the word perfume, he says the word parfum. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, he thinks he's fancy, and it's just it's kind of it's he's a funny character, but he's weird right. sometimes. One of those um, characters. Yes. So he ends up creating this potion to make himself more handsome. Okay. Well. Oh, okay. The, the potion ends up spilling into like the water supply or something. And next thing you know, people are starting to look like him. Like, they don't shrink and immediately look like him. It's like, they're still physically, like, you know, if it's a woman, it's like, you know, she's still, you know, however tall she is in a dress with her long hair, but her mm-hmm. face now looks like his. Mm-hmm. And then she's just kind of, like, walking slowly saying, man, <laughs> sniff, sniff, man. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and it's like, whenever they get closer to another person, it spreads, and then it spreads, and it spreads to the point where, like, by the end of the episode, there's, like, five characters who are not affected by it because they have, you know, creatures that can fly. Uh, so okay. they're kind of, you know, up in the air, away from everything. Um, and... Natsu, the main character, one of the main characters of the series, mm-hmm. he remembers uh, this other, like, spell, spray, like, 
potion called like it's like a deodorizer so it's like a like it's like a shower in a can type thing and he remembers it and he's like i know how to defeat them and he runs as fast as he can which everyone else is still moving really slow and mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. just taking their time and he's running like lightning speed and he grabs this thing and he sprays everyone in town and everyone turns back to normal but with this haunting image in the back of their head that they all were Ichia. <laughs> all <laughs> right. With the guy. <laughs> and it's just this, it's this weird episode that is so disturbingly funny to watch. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, you know what? We have filler episodes we want to throw in there. Let's have a zombie apocalypse one where the zombies are all Ichia, the character. Why not? <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So. Um. Okay, well, speaking of weird episodes of, of favorite cartoons, okay, uh, I actually went and rewatched this one this morning. Um, the episode, the two-part episode of the original Transformers cartoon, The Return of Optimus Prime, okay, is actually an outbreak episode, and and I guess you could classify it as a zombie episode. Um, okay, so in there's a little bit of backstory to the setup for this episode. It is the finale for season three, so I think that they assume that you've watched the show before. Makes sense. Uh, <laughs> so in the Transformers of the movie, which takes place between seasons two and three, um, mm-hmm. Optimus Prime dies. And he's just, he's killed in battle and the end, he's dead. Yep, uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, spoiler for a 34-year-old movie. There you go. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, and it's like 20 minutes into the movie too. So it's not even like, it's not even like the climax. It's just like, yeah, they, we're not selling his toy anymore. Kill him. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, and that's not to be cynical about it, but that was actually Hasbro's, like Hasbro has come out and said like, no, we didn't know kids cared because we thought they were just toys. So whatever. Anyways. <laughs> um, so the, the first, the first five part arc of season three introduces, um, that the Quintessons are another alien race and, uh, they were the creators of the Transformers. Hmm. That, that's all you need to know about them. But they're kind of an important like third faction throughout the course of season three. Um, so if you've been watching then this episode, like you would know who they are when you get to this episode. Um, and then there's another episode in season three called dark awakening where some quintessons find the body of Optimus prime and reanimate him to, um, basically trap the, like trick the Autobots and trap them and, um, you know, destroy them because they're yeah. evil. Uh, Makes sense. so, so, and at the end of that episode, um, the Autobots, uh, or actually Optimus regains control of himself, pushes all the Autobots away, jumps in, escape, in an escape shuttle, and starts piloting himself towards a sun so that he will never be a bother to anybody ever again. Um, and that was like halfway through season three that episode came out. So the return of Optimus Prime, the end of season three, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which takes place, you know, 17 episodes later or something, um, begins with uh, a couple of scientists in a spaceship because uh, so this Transformers season three aired in 1986 and 1987, mm-hmm. but takes place in the far flung future of 2006. Um, so okay. you kind of, you kind of just need to go with some of the more fantastical science fiction elements because it was the future, right? Yeah, makes sense. Um, so yeah, there's these lab scientists who are in a spaceship and they're testing this new uh, metallic alloy that they've built and they, they coated their spaceship in it and they're trying to protect themselves from the heat of a sun that's going Nova, which is preposterous. Yeah. It works. Uh, And while they're out there, it turns out the sun that they're, the star that they're flying towards that's about to go Nova is the same one that Optimus prime set his trajectory towards. So they, register life signs on this other spaceship, they see that it's Optimus Prime on the monitor and they go in and because there's not really weight in space, they uh, unstrap him and bring him onto their ship because they know that someone is going to want uh, Optimus Prime's body to, to at least at the very least, they want to return it to the Autobots so that he can lay at rest, lay in, yeah. like, lay in peace. Um, Makes sense. So when, so they do that and then the sun explodes and everyone's fine, except the the sun apparently had these weird spores in it that end up coating the ship. And when they get back to Earth, they start experimenting with the spores with some lab rats. And they pour them on the lab rats, and it turns them a glowing red. And they become oh God. very aggressive. And when one of the rats touches the other one, the other rat becomes infected immediately, just by touch. Oh. 
And so the one of the scientists um, got caught in a battle. He like his lab was a, the the site of a battle between the Autobots and the Decepticons way earlier in the show. I don't think it's an actual episode, but they sh- they have a a flashback clip um, of Optimus and Megatron battling, and his face ends up getting scarred in the process. Oh. Um, meanwhile, the Decepticons attack their lab to steal the uh, heat resistant alloy. Because they don't know what it will be used for, but they're sure it'll be fine. They, they, I mean, they'll come up with a use for it because who wouldn't want heat-resistant metal, right? Right. Um, so there's some weird plot stuff back and forth, back and forth. But eventually the scientists end up tricking the Autobots to come uh, get the body of Optimus Prime. And they contaminate them with, this, with the spores that cause what they end up referring to as a hate plague. And so the entire first part of the episode from then on is basically like this hate play. Like it's, it's Autobots that are or people that are unaffected running away by people who are infected. Um, and it starts with just the Autobots. And then a news broadcast says that it's gone to the human population as well. And then we see shots in space where like other aliens are infected by it. And it's just it's run rampant. And they figure out like, well, we need we need Optimus back because he's the wisest Autobot of all time. So they go and find a Quintesson so that the Quintesson can repair Optimus, which is why I mentioned that they were the creators of the Transformers earlier. Um, Yeah, makes sense. And the end of the first episode ends with Optimus coming back to life and saying, well, now nothing in the universe can stop me. Second episode begins, and Optimus doesn't know what to do because the... Oh boy, how do I describe this thing? The Autobot Matrix of Leadership is this thing that is important and everyone's fighting over it. It was introduced in the movie. Um, Basically, it's a thing that resides within the Autobot leader and it is the combined wisdom of all of the Autobot leaders throughout the millennia of Transformers history. Okay. Um, But it is because Optimus had died, it went into the current Autobot leader, Rodimus Prime. Makes uh, sense. Who has been infected. Oh dear. So... The Autobots end up going to the Decepticons, working with them to coat Optimus in the heat-resistant metal so that he won't be affected by the spores, because the spaceship wasn't. Um, And the whole thing ends up with the two Autobot leaders fighting each other over the Matrix of Leadership. Um, And it's it's crazy. Um, That's crazy. Complicated. (laughs) Yes, if you don't know Transformers. Yes. But the short version is, hey, there's some weird space spores that infect things and make them hate each other and very aggressive, and they all want to destroy everything. And the planet gets infected by it, uh, and then the good guys save the day. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I when when you had mentioned we were going to talk about this, I was thinking about some other, like, things that weren't just zombie things, some things yeah. other outbreaks or apocalyptic things. And I was like, you know, the Return of Optimus Prime probably fits right into that. So... Uh, and I, makes and sense I, to me. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm here at working from home, so I had some time, and I threw that on in the background while I was working and um, rewatched it to get fre- refreshed on, on all of the, the details, and it turns out I remember too many of them. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm going to jump to the next one on my list. Okay. Uh, so the next one on my list is actually from Avatar The Last Airbender, uh, okay. the animated series, not the live-action movie that nobody talks about. Um, (laughs) uh, But in season two of the series, Uh uh, there is an episode where the main characters, Aang, Sokka, Katara, uh, Momo, Appa, pretty much the Team Avatar crew, uh, they head back to one of the Earth Kingdom cities to go find Aang, an earthbending teacher, because he has to learn how to, you know, move earth and rock and everything like that. Um, and be, become, you know, get his earth bending down. And when they get there, they discovered, oh, the Fire Nation, who in this series are the bad guys, have taken over the entire kingdom of Omashu, which is the name of the kingdom that they're going to. Okay. Um, and so they're like, well, great, now we have to sneak in and find uh, King Bumi, who is Aang's old friend, um, because if you don't know the story of Avatar The Last Airbender, Aang is a 12-year-old kid who discovers he, beca- he is the Avatar. And instead of taking his responsibility seriously, he he's, he's freaked out. He's worried. He's just a kid. 
and he takes off in the night uh, in the middle of a storm and finds himself pretty much encapsulated in this like frozen glacier with him and his flying bison Appa for a hundred years. And the avatar is like the chosen one. Like, yeah, the avatar. Like he's, yeah. he's the character that all the mythology is based around in this world. Exactly. Yes. Right. So he, he has the ability to wield all four elements, earth, mm-hmm. air, fire, and water. Um, as well as, you know, he's kind of the bridge between the human world and the spirit world. And so he, he's got a lot of responsibility and you throw that on a 12 year old kid I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess the other thing that is is in Avatar, all of the the uh, benders, as they're called, they're mm-hmm. the, that that can control the elements. They're all separated out into nations, basically, right? So there's the fire exactly. nation. There are all the people with all the fire powers. There's uh, oh, I don't remember all the names for it. I know they all have it's, different names, but it's the uh, fire nation, the earth kingdoms, okay, the water nomad, uh, the water tribes, because yeah. they're on the north and south poles, and then the air nomads. There it is. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they all sort of segregate based on what their um, mm-hmm. natural powers are. And it, not everyone in the world has those powers, right? No. Yeah, no, not uh, everybody. Um, oh, boy. It's Sokka does not have it, but Katara does have the water bending, right? Yeah, yeah. Sokka is more of the weapons expert using a boomerang or a machete or an axe or but his a sword. Sister, his sister but, Katara is a waterbender. Yes, and she's a very skilled waterbender. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. and then and then the Avatar is the one that can control all the elements. Exactly, and uh, in the Avatar cycle, you know, they go from each element to the next, and it landed on you know, air, for oh the, right. So, so, so it's like it's after Aang dies and passes on, as we see in the Legend of Korra, which is the sequel series. Then the next one in the line was a waterbender, and the waterbender was Korra, but she can also use the other elements as well. Okay. So yeah, it's kind of this whole this whole thing, but uh, yeah. but anyway, so they're they they arrive to the city and they're like, okay, they have to sneak in, and when they sneak in, they come out of like the sewer pipes that they went through, and Sokka has this little tiny adorable little octopus, but it's not an octopus, it's a pentapus because it has five legs, not eight, oh, sure. um, and it's attached to his face, and okay. Aang manages to you know tickle it and it pops off and it leaves these red welts on his face. Um, and some Fire Nation soldiers come walking over and they're like, hey, you know, you're not supposed to be out past curfew. And they see the, the spots on his face and like, hey, what's with this guy? And they're like, oh, my brother, he's sick. He has pentapox. <laughs> <laughs> so they create this fake disease to help get them into the city. And then later in the episode, they help create it to free all of the citizens who are being held captive by the Fire Nation. So, at, like, you know, later on, they're like, hey, I heard some kid had pentapox. Now, look, the entire city's infected. <laughs> <laughs> but no one's actually infected. No one's actually sick. It's just like these little, these little like, octopuses that have just, like, left their suction cup marks all over these people. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, it man. Is so, so, uh, that reminds me, and I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier, of Starro the Conqueror from the DC Comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starro is a purple starfish with one eye, and he duplicates himself. And basically, if a Starro gets on you, you become a, a slave of Starro. Oh. Uh, and it was the first Justice League story, in fact. Um, the the, the Starro was the threat that caused the heroes in the DC Universe to team up to defeat him. Makes because sense. Because no, no one hero could do it on their own. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, so and and Starro's repeat, you know, reappeared and stuff. And there there were definitely some episodes of like Justice League Unlimited that that featured um, Starro. Um, but yeah, Starro is, is is the giant is the giant like like mother hive mind thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, and and all of the little Starros are still called Starros, I believe. But um, yeah, they 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 attach onto your head basically, and they have the one eye so that it can see where you're going, but it just it takes over your body. Um, that yeah, kind of makes, and, yeah, that's hysterical. That kind of makes me think of the, um, it, it, the very first SpongeBob SquarePants movie, Plankton, the little one-eyed, green plankton. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. he actually creates these mind control buckets that kind of, well, they say they say CB on it for Chum Bucket, but it, it's kind of like a similar thing where they somehow like have these sensors on them so people can see where they're going and they're just not running into walls and such. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I. Yeah. Um. Man, that Starro story is from like nineteen 
oh boy, six, late fifties, early sixties. Holy crap! Uh, it it predates the Marvel universe, actually. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, it predates the Fantastic Four. So yeah, yeah, Starro's been around, and and I'm sure has inspired a, a, a ton of stuff. And honestly, I'm sure is inspired by some science fiction story that I'm not aware of. Um, maybe who knows yeah yeah like it, it a lot of the 50s and 60s comic book stuff if you if you look for it you can find like these are like a lot of them are based off like philip k dick or isaac asimov stories mm-hmm. uh, and or, or they're like they're they'll take one element from that story and like really expand upon it and uh yeah i'm sure there's a, a, a brain control alien thing somewhere but star of the conqueror is a purple starfish so it's cool that that spongebob uh kind of took that idea but with a bucket <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um you know it's funny so you made me think about uh this is just a side tangent it has really nothing to do with um what we're talking about but it does actually oddly enough lead into my next thing okay. um, so I, I think i mentioned last week that i've been watching mash with my husband yeah and there was one episode where the character radar uh mm-hmm. was he was sitting there reading a comic book uh, but you couldn't really see what the comic book was because obviously they didn't they couldn't do like a whole lot of copyright with showing like, oh, he's reading this comic sure. book. So you just kind of right. saw that he was reading. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're like they're walking over and I think Frank Burns walks over and he's like he picks it up and he looks at it and he's like Captain Marvel and he throws it back down. And I'm like, oh, cool. He's reading about Carol Danvers. And then immediately went, wait, no, he's reading no, Shazam. That's <laughs> he says Shazam a second later and I'm just like. Oh my god! Normally I didn't get that mixed up, but I got that mixed up. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, because yeah, uh, Carol Danvers was not a character, or I guess was a character, but wasn't Captain Marvel uh, during when Mash was airing. It would have been Shazam. Well, yeah, but the thing is, though, Mash takes place in the fifties and sixties during the Korean War. Oh right, right. Yeah. So well, and so still, still, uh, the Billy Batson Shazam Captain Marvel would have been a thing, and yes. yeah, Marvel's Captain Marvel. So even even Captain Marvel wouldn't have existed then. Yeah. Uh, since he didn't appear until 1968. So there we go. Yeah. So, but anyway, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so con- continuing on with it. And this one, it's not as like big or as dramatic as the ones we've been talking in the sense of just like, you know, oh, you know, one eyed starfishes or, you know, ghost plants. <laughs> uh, but there is an actual episode of Match that, MASH that we were watching where the flu outbreaks in the camp. Oh, yeah. So a lot of the doctors, surgeons, um, nurses, like medical staff are going down with the flu. And it's like Hawkeye and Margaret Houlihan and like um, Klinger and a couple of others that are like helping out with like, you know, are helping out with surgery because Mm -hmm. they're still bringing in all these wounded um, despite everybody getting sick. And at one point, you know, Hawkeye tries the the flu vaccine. And he turns to and he turns to Margaret and he's just like, Hey Margaret, you know that uh you know the vaccine that you gave me? And she's like, Yeah, and he's like, Well, I've got it. And she's like, Oh my god, are you sick? And it's this really funny thing about how like back then the flu would just come in a huge wave and just knock yeah. everybody on their butt. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's and it still does that now, but it's like when you're in a confined camp like that, it's gonna hit you a little harder. Right. Right. Yeah. So Yeah. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Today's episode ended up being a lot more topical than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that's why I'm going to change it to one that's more funny and ridiculous. Um, okay. So, have you ever heard of a t of a well? It's a TV series, but it started out as a as a v as a v as a movie. Um, I think I mentioned it last week. Was Buzz Lightyear of Star Command? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> this one isn't exactly like a. Um, like a disease or zombie or plague or whatever, but this one, there is a mind control thing that does happen in the, the Buzz Lightyear Star Command movie where okay. um, the, the evil Emperor Zerg steals what is called the Unimind, this giant orb of power and that connects all the LGMs, the little green men that we see with the three eyes. Oh, um, right. He steals their orb that kind of connects them all. And he turns it evil and creates this giant super ray. And he starts shooting planets in the Galactic Alliance and making them his evil pawns. And he shoots Star Command, um, where Buzz, you know, obviously works. And he turns into, uh, you know, an evil pawn. And and so it's like Buzz, Mira, XR, and, um, oh, God, I'm forgetting his name. The big, big red guy. 
Um, but the, those four are the only ones who don't be get get mind controlled so they can go defeat you know Zerg. But it's re- mm-hmm. it, it was just kind of like thinking about it. I'm just like, oh yeah, that it's it's not really zombie apocalypse, but he definitely does take control of a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they All defeat right. him though. <laughs> oh good. <laughs> I, I like the stories where the good guys win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Despite mentioning Marvel zombies earlier. Although I guess they are the good guys. They just turn into zombies. Uh, so uh, I wanted to mention one that is not technically a zombie story, but also kind of is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was DC Comics Blackest Night, mm-hmm. which was a, a big Green Lantern to do uh, probably about 10 years ago. I want to say it was, it was 2009, 2010 when it came out. Okay, so it's fairly uh, recent. Fairly recent, yeah. Um, so the basic premise is, I, I'm going to presume most people are somewhat familiar with the Green Lantern. I feel like if you're listening to our show, you probably know who the Green Lantern is. But if you don't, I hope so. <laughs> uh, if you don't, uh, he is an Air Force pilot that got given a magic space ring um, that lets him have crazy powers. And the weakness to his ring is the color yellow. Um, Sinestro, who is uh, a former Green Lantern, developed a yellow ring of fear. Um, and after that happened, then they started introducing a whole color spectrum, right? So there's the red lanterns of rage, the blue lanterns of hope, the indigo lanterns of compassion, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and my favorite one, actually, Agent Orange, who is the only orange lantern um, of avarice and greed, right? And so he, he's the only one with <laughs> an orange lantern ring because he took all the other rings. And he... <laughs> uh, and, and uh, yeah, Larflees is the, the, the orange lantern. He's pretty great. Anyways... Um, so at the, this was a, a story that, that spanned several years, right. Introducing all the different color lantern core and everything. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, the final one, well, yeah, the final one was the black lanterns, um, of death. And the, so it was Necron, um, who is an established DC character. He's effectively mm-hmm. the DC universe. Um, he, released the black lantern rings and they took over the bodies of anyone in comics who had died uh anyone in dc comics who had died and not just the ones who were currently dead and Hmm. who who then came back as zombies but anyone who had died and been resurrected oh dear which was basically everyone including you know superman uh and and Batman, who had recently been quote unquote killed, and so oh, oh, actual oh, that's not good. <laughs> and, you know, like Wonder Woman. Well, Wonder Woman managed to escape it, but like basically most of the DC universe has died at some point. Yeah, and so it was this big, you know, not quite zombie story, but if you look up like Black Lantern Superman or Black Lantern Batman or whatever, you'll find all kinds of artwork and, and they made some action figures of a bunch of them of just these like horrific zombie versions in black and silver costumes um, with the black lantern symbol over the chest. And oh, geez. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it was big uh, eight or 10 part series um, that uh, ran through its own mini series, but also crossed over into the green lantern title. Um, so you kind of needed to read both to keep up with everything that was going on. Mm-hmm. But you could read just Black as Night by itself and, and get the gist of the story. Um, anyways, yeah, so that was a that was a whole big thing that they did. Um, and basically the, the outset of it was that Necron had decided to leave the door to the afterworld open ajar um, so that people could die and come back to life in the DC universe and basically set an incontinuity canonical reason for why people like why, why people in comics can die and come back so frequently. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I felt like blackest night was one of those, one of those big, uh, big deal things. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, we're talking mind control zombie sort of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was that was one that I was like, yeah, we should I should definitely mention mention that. Um, yeah, unfortunately, cool. I just gave away my Black Lantern uh, hardcover to a friend for his birthday because I'd read it a few times and I, I wasn't uh, I didn't see any reason to go back to it because I no one had talked to me about it in five years. And I just gave him all my Green Lantern stuff since this is his favorite DC character. And uh, <laughs> no, I don't have it to refer back to. Uh, but he, well, it happens. They went to a better home. Like rather than sitting on my bookcase, they went to a friend who's who's going to read them a whole bunch. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um. 
So I've got like two more left on my list. Okay. Um, the next one that I have is from the anime Inuyasha. Have you seen it or heard um, of it? I, I'm, I'm aware of Inuyasha. Um, I am. Oh, boy. <laughs> I So Rumiko Takahashi created Inuyasha. Yes. Uh, I am I am more of a fan of her previous work, Ranma One Half. And and I went to Inuyasha being like, cool, it's from the creator of Ranma. And uh, I, I'll check it out. And it was absolutely not what I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I possibly have misfairly, uh, unfairly judged it. But um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Inuyasha fan, unfortunately. That's completely fair and valid. And as someone who has watched the series multiple times, um, I can say that when you're first watching it, it, it does, you do kind of need to start at episode one and then kind of, you know, dig your way through the other episodes until, and, and I always say until Songo, the, the Demon Slayer character enters, because after she enters, the series just kind of like takes off okay, and actually goes in the direction of, we need to defeat Naraku, we need to do this, we need to do that. Okay. Um, it's less exposition building and more, okay, now we're off on the adventure. Yeah, and um, I'll, I'll admit I read the first volume of the manga, so uh, I don't think song, uh, I don't think that character had appeared by the time I got, uh, by the time that book had finished. In the actual series, I don't know about the manga, but the actual series, I don't think she comes until almost, oh God, I think it's episode 32? Oh, jeez. <laughs> Yeah, so we get yeah. like 31 episodes of just like building relationships between Inuyasha and Kagome and then bringing in Chippo and then bringing in Moroku. Um so it it's definitely uh, it's definitely like that, but yeah. I'm trying to figure out like the exact list, but there is an episode um later on in the series where it's a two-part episode where they come across this village of demon women okay um at least that's the rumor of it that there's you know a village of demon women and when they get there they discover that apparently there is a salamander demon that has actually been sealed inside a scroll and the seals are starting to burn away and she starts controlling these heartbroken women who are waiting for their loved ones to come back from war. Um, and she starts using them to capture men and bring them into her, um, into her like shrine area. And then, you know, she eats their flesh and then they throw the body into the, into the, uh, into the river. Goodness. Yeah. It's very, <laughs> very graphic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but the, the way she controls them is by having them swallow salamander eggs and then the egg will hatch and then possess oh, the person. sure, sure, so, yeah. So she's, like, possessing this entire village of women who are pretty much kicking everybody's butt and everyone can't really fight back because they're technically not dead. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and Songo, um, the demon slayer, she gets kind of upset at Moroku, who's a lecherous womanizing monk. Uh, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> which is very early on established. Um, she gets very upset with him because she has been de- developing feelings for him throughout the whole series. And she runs off to go deal with this herself and ends up being captured and is possessed by one of these things. And the other women aren't exactly fighters. Sure. So they're, like they're trying to hit them with like sticks and axes and they're not doing it well. Yeah. Songo is a trained demon slayer with a six foot tall boomerang. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Who's going to kick your butt? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so it's like, it's this interesting two-part episode just kind of following it. But they managed to, you know, save all the women, defeat the Salamander Demon, save Songo. Um, but it's just like, it's interesting watching them being like, okay, we can't kill the women. Don't do it. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So, mm-hmm. oh. Okay. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, okay. We just got a few minutes left. So you said you had one more real quick? Yes, and I actually have the correction. Uh, episode 24 is when Sango enters. I had oh, to look okay. it up real quick. Okay. Um, yeah. No, so my last one is a Cartoon Network series called Generator Rex. Uh, um, I've heard is, of that show. I've never it watched is, it. It is a great show. I think it's like only two or three seasons long. It's not very long. Okay. Um, but the premise of the show is that these group of scientists were working on these things called nanobites that are supposed to kind of give people like a superhero type of... 
uh, abilities or something, or they were using them for some reason. I can't exactly remember. It's been a while since I've watched it. Sure. But a huge, like almost nuclear sized explosion happens. And now the entire world is covered in little nanobites. They're covered in these little nanobites. And some people have more than others. Some people, um, their nanobites, especially if they're in moments of really, really high stress, will suddenly start to freak out and make them turn into these horrific monsters. And Rex, who's the main character, has he has the nanobites, but he actually has the ability to transform his body into like these different elements to help fight them. Okay. And he can absorb them and then, you know, unabsorb them so that way they're containing them and saving as many lives as they can. Um Okay. And it's a really it's a really neat series. I I recommend it, but it's kind of it's kind of fitting in the sense that it's like this world plague that's kind of hit everyone. Yeah, yeah. And if <laughs> and if you turn into a big scary monster, you, you know, you call up Generator Rex. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh man, yeah, man. And there's there's so many other so many other outbreak and and zombie and and mind the list goes I'm, on. Oh man, yeah. Um, you know I. I while we were talking, I mean, obviously the movie Alien, right? That that's mm-hmm. right up those uh, right up the, that that line, um, the Borg from Star Trek, right? The, yep. the brute from X Men. Like, you can just you can go all all over the place um, with this stuff. So there's plenty plenty more. So uh, if we ever want to come do a part two of this, we certainly have more stuff to talk about. Oh yeah. Um, but for now, we are we are running out of time quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I uh, just want to say thanks for listening to us. Um, uh, thanks for for <laughs> dealing with us while we figure out how to work on this show from the comfort of our homes, own homes rather than in the studio. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, and uh, check us out on social media at Atomic Monsoon on Facebook and Twitter, Atomic underscore Monsoon on Instagram. Um, you can email us uh, questions and suggestions at AtomicMonsoon at gmail.com. And uh, check out our Redbubble store. I haven't mentioned that in a while. Um, uh, at Redbubble or uh, oh, search for Atomic Monsoon on Redbubble. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what am I missing, Stephanie? Uh, you know, Andy, I, I don't know. I think I think I think we got it pretty much all covered. However, okay. I will say, check out Mischief and Madness, my good friends who are doing all this cool streaming stuff during this quarantine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And uh, yeah, check out our friends at DefM Records again. Yep. Uh, there we go. Yeah. So, so. Uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, we will figure out something to do next week. Indeed. (laughs) All right. Have a great night, guys. Bye.